Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. So welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. Today, I'm very, very, very pleased to be joined by uh, Darren Jameson, who is the host of the Engaging Marketeer po- podcast, podcast, podcast. Uh, he's a public speaker, and he's the co-founder of Engage Web, uh, helping his clients to be the center of attention on their own terms, which is kind of what you want to do, Darren. So I understand from your LinkedIn profile, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, I, I definitely want to be the centre of attention. Um, whether it's on my own terms or not, I'm, I'm just happy for somebody to be talking to me and looking at me. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Well, we're doing that right now. We're doing that right now. So, uh, so what are you? Uh, what are you working on? Um, well, at, at the moment, right, we're growing our business, uh, our digital marketing agency, and we are very shortly going to be looking at acquiring acquisitions other agencies, web designers, hosting companies, IT companies, that kind of thing. Because uh, it's the the fastest way to actually grow a business is to acquire another one. Uh, so it's something we've been spending a lot of effort, putting a lot of planning in place, and we're going to be launching that within the next few days. Fantastic, fantastic. So I guess is that, is that bound by confidentiality or, uh, or are you able to it, spill it, it, a few more beans? Um, well, do we... Yeah, it, it sort of is. We we we're going through a lot of data at the moment because we're, we're isolating the particular industries that we want to be starting with, mm. um, and, and then we're going to be approaching them. Um, so yeah, it, it is sort of bound by confidentiality at the moment, but it, it is something that we are very very keen on. We, we've had a go at it before, sort of loosely as and when it happened, um, but this is now in with a proper plan. Yeah. With a proper a proper purpose, funnily enough, considering that's that's what you're here for. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. That sounds good. That sounds good. And yeah, I think um yeah, when I've when I've looked at businesses and growing businesses in the past, I suppose there's there's the sort of organic option, uh, which is uh, about you know employ employ the people, bring them in, um, and, and it, perhaps it takes a bit longer to do it, but you can perhaps do it in your own style. And then there's the kind of inorganic or acquisitive uh, approach to to, to bring uh, different things in. So uh, have, have you have you have you tried the organic approach, or is it a blended approach for you? Oh yeah, we we've been doing the organic approach for for years. I mean, Engage Web started in two thousand and nine, and we're now as of last week we're up to ten people in the office now. So yeah, we we've been growing organically over those those years. But the the acquisition thing is something I'm very very excited about because there's a lot of companies in our in our industry particularly who don't realize the value of what they've got. So with web designers for example, they they tend to be solopreneurs just designing websites because that's what they're sort of falling into. They have clients they do stuff for. But because they're working on their own, it's very much a case of, right, I'm working on this website, duh, 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 duh. now I'm going to get paid for it. Now I've got nothing on, I need to find another web design client. And they have this very sort of peak and trough, peak and trough business model. So whenever they want to do something more substantial or reliable, or often their their, their wives or their husbands say, you need to start doing something regular, they off, they go and get a job. They go and get a job. And I've seen it time and time again where 
companies cannot get hold of their web designers, get something done on their website because their web designers basically buggered off and got a job doing something else. So they lose their website, they lose everything else. What we need to do is find those web designers who are in that position before they go off and get a job and say, well, look, you know, what you've got there is actually of value. We can take that off you. You'll get paid for it. You'll continue to get paid for it as the, the months and years go on. And you can don't have to do anything for it. You, you can go off and do whatever it is you, you wanted to do. So it's helping us. It's helping them. And it, mostly it's helping their clients as well. So they don't get in this situation of my web design has done one. And no, I can't get anything done on my website. Because I've, I've seen sites go down before. I've seen hosting accounts not renewed and companies lose access to their websites. And they can't get anything from the hosting company because they're not the client of the hosting company. They're the client of the web designer who's disappeared. So it, it's it's an awful situation for someone to be in, but it's really, really common, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so your your um, company then is, ver- is very focused on websites. Is that the, is that the, the, the sole and exclusive focus of... It, it's not. The, it's not the sole and exclusive focus. No, it is the main focus because everything starts with the website. So you can do, you can do digital marketing such as social media campaigns. You can do paid ad campaigns. You can do email marketing, but it all has to direct somebody back to an online area. So whether that's a website or a a funnel page like a click funnel page or a, a webinar registration page whatever that may be it is based around a website presence that's the first thing that you need and i i see a lot of companies actually come to us and say they, they've already had an idea of what it is they want that's going to solve their business problems overnight and usually it's it's seo search engine optimization because they've heard about it somebody's told them about it oh yes with seo we're with it. it's, it's going to suddenly make all our dreams come true and they'll come to us and they say, can you do SEO on my website? And a lot of people in our industry would go, yeah, we can. Lovely jubbly. Pay us 500 quid a month or a thousand pounds a month and, and we'll do that. And it's just absolutely the wrong thing to do because a lot of the time the problem is the website. If a website isn't converting, if it's for one of a better word, crap, <laughs> it's not suddenly going to become brilliant if you start doing SEO on it and get thousand people a month or two thousand people a month looking at it. It's still crap. Yeah. It's still not going to convert. Hmm. So don't pay to send people to something that doesn't work. Sort out the problems you've got, first of all, because once it starts working, then you can start spending money on it and getting people to there. Um, this is something I encountered way back in my web design journey, uh, back in the year 2000. I was the web designer for game uh, game stores, or electronics boutique at the time. And I always remember the marketing manager there saying in, quite categorically, we need to get our own website in order first before we start going out there and telling people about it. Because if they go out there and start telling people about it and it's just not working, it's not going to make them any money. They're going to be throwing good money after bad. Yeah. So websites are the start of everything. They're not the be-all and end-all, and they don't solve all your problems, but they are the first thing that you should be getting sorted in a digital marketing perspective before you start looking at other things. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and isn't it true that... Um around 85% of people the first thing they're going to do when they're thinking about solving a problem is they're going to go to a website and or they're going to go to a search engine i suppose and and and, and put in a put in a question is it as, as many as that now it it is it is and that that's a really interesting point that you you've mentioned there you used the phrase put in a question that's exactly what they're going to do they're going to ask the question there are a lot of companies in my industry that do search engine optimization and a lot of clients, a lot of businesses that think what they need to be doing is optimizing their websites for the, 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 the 
services that they have, what it is that they do. But a lot of people who are their potential clients don't know that exists. So they're not going to be going into Google and going, I need a IT network engineer, or I need someone to come in and put Cat5 cabling around my office, or I need someone to come in with Wi-Fi boosters or Wi-Fi extenders, because they don't know those things exist. They're going to go to Google and they're going to put in the problems they've got. Wi-Fi is dropping out in the office. Uh, can't get fast enough connection. My Zoom is losing frames every time I try and do a Zoom call. Those are the things they're going to be putting into Google. Those are the things that your website needs to be talking about and then positioning you as the expert, you as the industry leader. And by the way, there's a solution to this, and that's to use you. So don't go on and talk about all the technical stuff. It's really common in the IT industry where they'll just bang on about all the techie crap that they care about, but their clients don't give a sod about. All their clients want to know is, is this going to work for me? Yeah. Is it going to make my problems go away? Yeah, yeah. Talk about your clients' problems, not the solutions, because they don't know what the solutions are and they're not searching for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is that is really good advice because um because yeah, that that is what I'm always doing. How how do you fix this? How, how do you find that? What what do I need to do? I put in a b- bizarre, a ridiculously long question into Google the other day. I can't remember what it was about now, but it, I literally I'd almost gone over the whole page because it was just I didn't know how to word it properly. And you just think, well, I don't know. I'll just I'll just bang in and and, and something will come up. And sure enough, it did. Yeah, that, that, that's called a long tail search query. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, long long tail search. I didn't realize so I was doing long, something technical. You you were you were. <laughs> so uh, a short tail search query would be something like mobile phones. Mm. A long tail search query will be something like um, iPhone version 13, 256 gig, um, rose gold. Mm. That will be a longer tail search query. So when somebody's about to buy a phone, they don't go to Google and type in mobile phones. That's the first step of their research, mobile phones. Then they'll look at Samsungs and Galaxies and Googles and iPhones, and then they'll work out which model they want, what size they want, and eventually they'll search for the specific. That's when they're going to make the purchase. Mm. That's what you want to be ranking for. Right. But too many people go, oh, we need to be on number one of Google for mobile phones. That's going to cost you millions. And you're not going to get the sales from it anyway because people are not buying at that point. They're buying when they search for it. You don't go into Google and type in holidays and then book a holiday immediately. You do your research. What country do I want to go to? What type of holiday? Or what sort of city do I want? What kind of accommodation do I want? How long do I want to go for? What sort of flights do I want? What packages do I want? And eventually you put in things like... Um, Barcelona, Las Ramblas, Boutique Hotel. That's where you want to be ranking for. Hmm. So it's about the specific queries, not about the, the generic short terms that cost a fortune to actually get ranking for, take ages to get there, and are never going to get you the sales in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So getting inside your customers' heads in or your ideal customers' heads in some way and articulating the problems that they've got is a good way to get their attention. 100%, 100%. Because as, as you just said, you do it when you're looking for something. So you need to think, what are my customers having problems with? What are they searching for? And the best way to think about this is what questions have I been asked? If you've had conversations with your clients and your prospective clients, what have they asked you? What problems have they got? What issues have they had? What questions have they had that you've helped them with? Because guaranteed, there's going to be 10, thousand, ten thousand more people with those exact same problems. But they're not stood in front of you right now asking that question. They're online Googling it. Mm. And you need to get what's out of your head, the advice that you gave somebody when you spoke to them, get that online so that when other people search for that exact same question, they find you. 
if your competitors are doing it and you're not, they'll find your competitors. And if you're quite happy with them finding your competitors, then very well, go ahead, carry on. But if you want them to find you, you need to get that online. Right. And right. it starts with your website. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. And so, and who, who are your clients then? What sort of businesses are you, are you looking after? Um, we've got everything ranging from one-man band startups uh, to a global franchise in four countries. So we do a lot with property, for example. We've got property investors, property developers, uh, lettings and estate agents. Um, we work with e-commerce. Uh, obviously, my background was at Game, which was obviously one of the, it was at the time, it was the biggest video game retailer in Europe, actually, because they had sites in Spain and France and Ireland. And I think it was Sweden as well they had. So they, had, they, they, they dominated Europe for video games. So my background is e-commerce. So I, I know a lot about how to make a website that actually sells products and sells it well and then merchandises it well across. Um, but property is a big thing that we do. Um, one of the things we're doing at the moment, for example, is we're working on a Facebook ad campaign for a, a lettings agent that wants to get property investors into their lettings agency because they want portfolio landlords. And it's one of those things that you think with Facebook ads, is that going to actually work? Can I get people who are property investors via a Facebook ad? But what most, most people don't realize is that there are was it three out of four men who are on the internet are on Facebook, and eight out of ten women who are on the internet are on Facebook. So it doesn't matter who your target client is; they are online. It's how you target them on Facebook. It's how you actually reach them. Hmm. So we're looking at ads for them to get property investors in, and we had one recently which was a portfolio landlord with I think it's something like 13, 14 properties already. He was looking to double his portfolio over the next two years. He came in, he moved all his properties to them. So the revenue for that paid for their ad campaigns now for the next like four or five years, at least easily from one, one click through from one ad. Mm. But the best thing is that property investor actually, because my wife is downsizing some properties so we can look at a villa in, uh, in Spain next year. One of the properties that she was selling, he's now bought. So <laughs> there you go. That was a win, a win, 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 win. Yeah. yeah. Double, treble, bubble. Excellent. Yeah. It was. Yeah. That, that's like the best result Facebook ad I've ever seen. <laughs> brilliant for our client, brilliant for a case study. Yeah. And also, We've made about 50, 60 grand off it. So fantastic. Excellent. That is, that is a good return on investment. Very good. It's very not good. bad. Mm, not mm, bad. Mm. It? Yeah, really good. Really good. Cool. Okay. So um, how do you end up then in this kind of crazy mixed up world? Because um, you, um, not not in general, but in the world of web marketing and, and all that sort of stuff, because uh, I've seen you, I've seen you talking about it and I've, uh, I've, I've benefited from your from your wisdom, not as a client, but as a kind of a uh, a mentee, I suppose you, you could you could say. When I've seen you talking on um, on mastermind events and all that kind of stuff, and your knowledge is, I would describe deep. So, how did you get to that point? Oh, to totally accidental. Um, it, yeah, it was completely by accident. Uh, when I was younger, I wanted to be a film director. I didn't want to do webs. Well, websites didn't exist mm -hmm. when I was in university. They were not a thing. Mm. Uh, I am that old. Um, so I wanted to be a film director. And we we made a film in college, uh, a really crap film that you can see on YouTube now. It's called Cop on the Age 9, Pro to Justice. Go and watch it if you have <laughs> 75 minutes so of that, your life. Cop on the Age 9? Up on the edge nine, prelude to justice. If you've got 75 minutes of your life that you never want back, then <laughs> stick that into YouTube and go and watch it. But um, do not at me if you do that, because 
I have no responsibility for that whatsoever. All right. <laughs> we, we then tried to get a, a proper film made because that was made in, in college using uh, high eight cameras at the time, which oh. is, yeah, tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Amazing. awful. Amazing. We tried to get a proper film made, took it to the Cannes Film Festival uh, in 2000, the same year Gladiator was there. And we just couldn't get finance for it. We had an actor from The Bill, ITV's The Bill, that was, he'd read the script. He wanted to be in it. And I thought, we've made this. This is in the bag. You know, there's an actor from The Bill wants to be in it. Brilliant. Couldn't get the money. Never took off. And I ended up doing the website to promote the film. And I thought, well, this is quite good at this. Making little animations and stuff move. And I thought, well, I need to do something. And I started applying for jobs because this film just was not working. And then the marketing manager for games saw what I'd done. And he thought, well, that's, that's quite good. So I got the web, got the job there. And that, that basically fell into digital marketing back in 2000. I didn't want to do it. I did, before I went to university, I was actually making films for something called Beatles Hot Shots on ITV, Jeremy Beadle TV program, where you make spoofs, send them in, they go on, and they're, they're rubbish. They're absolute rubbish. Again, there's loads of these on YouTube as well, if you want to look for them. <laughs> Juliana Clary. It's a spoof between Julian Clary and Indiana Jones. Juliana Clary. Search that on YouTube. That's actually quite funny. <laughs> but when I went to Beatles Hot Shots, the, the editor I'd been speaking with saw me said, oh, the stuff you've been making is really good. I want you to meet me in the bar afterwards and we're going to go and talk to you about stuff I want you to do for the second season. But I had to miss the tr miss meeting him to get the train home back to Newport, South Wales. So I thought, I'm going to miss the train otherwise because the last train was like 11 o'clock. So I stood him up, never saw him again. And then I went to film school, tried to make a film, failed, ended up as a web designer. It's not the worst result in the world, but it's not what I wanted to do. Hmm. Found out years later, that guy I stood up went up to direct something called Spaced with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And then he made the film Shaun of the Dead and then Hot Fuzz and Scott Pilgrim versus the World and Baby Driver. And his name was Edgar Wright. And I walked out on him when he wanted to work with me, which is the, the single worst mistake I've ever made in my entire life. Um, and I, I look back on that every single day and think, 18-year-old me, when Edgar Wright offers to work with you, say yes. Yeah. Don't leave him hanging. Yeah. Um, but Edgar, if you're listening to this now, I'm still here, mate. Yeah. I'm still here. Cause I don't know if Edgar Wright listens to you. He might do. He, he might, might do. do. He might he do. Might. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Ed, Ed, Edgar, mate, I'm here now. I'm ready for you. There you go. There you go. And I can vouch for you. I've seen you, I've seen you talking about the stuff that you know, and, um, you drill into it. And also your, your passion for, for film is still very much there. It is. Yeah. My, my, my passion, my burning, my, my, my itch for film is still very much that I've interviewed quite a few film people on, on my, my podcast because everybody else seems to be that was at university with me has gone on and made films. <laughs> so there's a guy called Phil Clayden I've interviewed. He was on my film course. He's the only one who got a first on our film course. Um, not jealous at all. He went on and made lesbian vampire killers with James Corden. So he's made a feature film that's done, done, done pretty well. Um, there's a guy called Matt Meach who's gone on. He was a brilliant editor. He's gone on and made um, Blue Planet with David Attenborough. Okay, yeah. He's won awards for his editing on Blue Planet. You know, there's a scene in one of the Blue Planet episodes where there's a load of monkeys jumping across a rooftop in Brazil, and it's kind of edited like The Born Identity. Matt did that. Not jealous at all. Brilliant. <laughs> Somebody else went on and, and worked on editing on Great British Bake Off, so they're working on like you know top TV. You know, and I'm I'm here. So talking to me. Exactly. So who's the winner? <laughs> exactly. You are, you are one of life's winners. Winners. For sure. Exactly. One of yeah. life's winners. 
but the, yeah, but, that's, but, how, that's how I'm feeling right now. We're not life's winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, but you are one of life's winners, and um, and I know you need to find a question to ask you to prove it. So, um, so how many people have you have you impacted positively with your web magic? Pos oh my word! Um, I don't I don't know if that's even possible to to work out. Too I mean, many, too many. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we we've, we've got we've got a hundred or so websites that we host at the moment. Um, we've got other clients that we do work for all of their franchisees across the world. So there's something like 50 odd in the UK, 50 odd in Canada, 50 odd in Australia, and about 600 in the United States. So all of those are individual businesses that we work with on, on a monthly basis. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be into tens of thousands overall. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Well, and if you then take the, the, the multiplier effect of those organizations, their clients, uh, making it more uh, e easy for them to find solutions to their problems. You're touching people all over the world, Darren. I, I am in, in, in a non-weird way. I am <laughs> touching people all, all over the world. I mean, e even at game, I mean, we, we had thousands of sales through that website and, and I did some weird shit on that website. <laughs> did you? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the, at Christmas, we would always do the graphics for the a sort of a Christmas style. Cause back then, e-commerce websites used to Christmasify their websites. And back then there was no such thing as going overboard. There was no such thing as being too kitsch. And there was a game called uh, Sheep, which was a bit like the game Lemmings. If you remember Lemmings back in the old days, mm -hmm. but it, it was sheep that you had to protect from, I think it was aliens trying to capture your sheep. And there was a, 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 it was a character with a shotgun and a sheep. And I changed the game logo so that Father Christmas jumped out with a shotgun from behind the game logo and shot the sheep and the sheep exploded over the game logo. And that was its Christmas logo graphic. <laughs> I'm sure there are people who shopped on game in the early 2000s who were traumatized by this, but I didn't care. And I just got away with it because they just let me do whatever I wanted on that website, which is kind of weird. I, I like to think there are people who remember that fondly. Yeah, You know, hundreds of thousands of people will have seen that. Yeah. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Apologies to you right now if you did. Well, it's the kind of thing that probably in about 10, 15 years' time will come up. You know, you get those retro reels. Remember this, remember that. It's the kind of thing that pops up on that. Because you get the, you get the Fisher-Price phone, don't you, which you kind of pulled along as a, as a toy thing. And then you get yeah. the, the kind of the old... The old um, we get the Sony Walkman as a classic thing from back in the day, and and all that, and then what you get Frogger as a as a as a as a yeah. as a video game. Maybe this will come up as well. Yeah, remember the old game website where the sheep got splattered over the logo at Christmas? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's legacy, legacy right there. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but so, but what you're doing though is you're putting um, you're putting your passion into your current business. I mean, how, how, how are those two things marriaging for you? I, I am, and I'm, I'm passionate about being successful. And when we work with a client, I, I kind of want them to be more successful than their competitors. So I am a, I, I didn't realize it. I've discovered, I've been told, so I must be a very competitive person. And if anyone who knew me was listening to this, they'd go, yeah, you sod him. Well, uh, but apparently I'm a very competitive person. Um, and I take that into my clients. So when we've got a client that's, say, for example, our franchise client is, is a printer, I want them to be at the top for everything to do with printing globally. And their competitors like printing.com and Vistaprint, ugh, I want to smash them. Mm. 
So that's what we do with our clients to make sure that they smash them, that they are better than them, that they get more exposure than them, that they get everywhere. And that's kind of how I look at it. It's like it's a personal slight if one of our clients doesn't do better than their competitors. Why? Why has that happened? I'm not having that. It's not acceptable. So where's that will to win come from then? Do you know, I, I, I'm not even sure because back in school, I wasn't great at sport. Um, I was never picked for a, a sport. Oh, hang on. Wait a minute. Yes, I was. I was picked for that baseball, that bloody Stephen Garrett. In primary school, right, we played rounders. Mm. And I wasn't, I wasn't good at football. I was like in the middle tier for football. And I was rubbish at cricket because I had no sort of swinging ability with a cricket bat. I didn't like that pads. But baseball, throwing something I'm good at. I can throw something very hard, very accurately, very fast. But Stephen Garrett, sorry, Stephen, if you're listening to this, was the more popular kid. So when we played baseball around us, he was always the one that was pitching. He was ill one day. He couldn't do it. So I stepped up and played in his place. We won convincingly. Convincingly. Next game, he's back in again. I didn't get another go. I was furious at that. Yet whenever we do some sort of, um, sort of you, know, you know, those fairground rides where you, you have to knock things off a shelf with a baseball and they give you like three baseballs. Mm. I win those every time because I'm bloody good at it. I'm bloody good at it. My nieces, we went to Porth Call years ago and there were these giant whales. If you knocked four of these things down with these balls, they both had giant whales. So I won them both. So it's like, all right, get it out. <laughs> Bang, gone. It's that desire that I've, I've always feel that other people are getting picked ahead of me, yeah. like Stephen Garrett, and I was better than him. I know I was. I know I was, mm. but I didn't get picked. And it's the same, actually. Do you know, I'm just uncovering this now. Yeah. In that same school, right, I wasn't great at football, but I was a bloody good goalkeeper. I was a bloody good goalkeeper. But in our school, the kid who was picked in goal, who wasn't as good as me, and I can feel this burning annoyance in front of me now. He wasn't as good as me, but his dad was the goalkeeper for Cardiff City. Therefore, obviously, he's going to be the goalkeeper for the school. Yeah. Yet, he was crap. Yeah. <laughs> Vaughan, you were crap. I was better than you. And I wasn't picked. See, I, this, you know, it's not like I hold grudges or anything. No. Sounds like, yeah. It sounds like sounds like we're <clears throat> excuse me. Sounds like we're unearthing a couple of things here, right? So we're going to go into therapy in a minute, aren't we? Well, it, it, you never know. You might you might get lucky. Um, so um, so okay. So there's this deep thing then that goes back to your childhood, mm. which um, which gives you a kind of a determination actually not to be overlooked, not to be overlooked. The worst thing. <laughs> Sorry, I've got another one. This is worse, but this is academic. This is academic. It goes back to childhood again. I was brilliant at maths. All right? And my, my, my two of my kids are brilliant at maths as well. I was brilliant at maths. When we were in the fourth year in primary school, a teacher came from the secondary school that we were going to go to, and they asked a maths question for everybody in the class. And you know, you get those moments where everybody gives a different answer to you. And you think, have I massively got this wrong? Hmm. Have I, why, why am I the only one that said a different answer? And I was right. It was a fraction-based question. But I can't remember what the question was, but it was fraction-based. I was right. Everybody else was wrong. And the teacher in that school in that fourth year said, you're going to get an A this year, Darren. You're going to get an A this year. 
but we moved school. We moved to this other school with the baseball preferences and the Cardiff City goalkeeper son preferences. So I didn't get any further with that. In school, in secondary school, I was bored in maths, absolutely bored because it was too easy. And I kept telling the teacher it was too easy and he wouldn't move me to the higher set. He would not move me. So I was overlooked mm-hmm. again. So I ended up playing hangman in every class, which means I'm really good at Wheel of Fortune. I can get a Wheel of Fortune without any letters. Brilliant at Wheel of Fortune. But I ended up getting a C grade at maths because I couldn't do the higher paper because there was, they wouldn't let me do it. Mm. And again, it's that I'm being overlooked here. I'm being told I can't do that. I'm not good enough to do that. When I know I'm more than good enough to do that, I'm better than them. So there's no point in me even trying. Mm. Mr. Butterworth, if you're listening, you're a git. But <laughs> well, look at me now. Look at me now. Look at, exactly. Look at me now. I do sometimes feel I should retake my maths GCSE because it, it hurts that much. But mm. I've only got a C and I should have an A. Right. Easily have an A. Yeah. But yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't get one because I did the two lower papers. It's the highest I could get was a C. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you've got, you've got, to, invest your, you've got to invest your time in things that are going to make a difference haven't you i mean i i got let a, it go let it go yeah. Yeah, yeah well you might need to let it go i mean this it's entirely up to you it depends it depends how, how it's going to drive you on but um but yeah i took uh i took i was in the first year of gcses and so i was able to take the maths o level to because of the recit paper i took that early i got a c I thought, you know what that would do? Because maths was never, I was, I came from a different place. I was more into, you know, history and you know, French music, all the arty stuff, you know? And, um, so, uh, so yeah, so maths was never really my, my strong suit. So I was grateful for a C, but there you go. Perspective. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? It does. It does. And that's actually important with, with running a business as well with clients. So it's about over promising or sorry, under promise and over deliver get that the right way around Mm. so perspective so if you say you're going to get somebody's website for them for thursday and you have it to them for wednesday they're delighted Mm. if you tell them you're going to get it to them for tuesday and you get it to them for wednesday they're furious Mm. because they expect it earlier even though they got it exactly the same day you and me both got c's in maths you're delighted with it i'm furious with it it's perspective (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it is exactly so your um your experience then it sounds like you've taken this kind of um this kind of uh experience of uh, of being um somebody who knows they can do stuff and do stuff well and it sounds like you've taken that perhaps just the kernel put it together with a bit of a a passion and then accidentally fallen into um, develop, develop, you know, the web design, all that sort of stuff, and put that together. And but you're, you're paddling your own boat, aren't you? Because you're one of the co-founders of your business, aren't you? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, um, but but that that is again, that's a really good point. And a lot of businesses fail when they they do this. Um, I am the co-founder of the business. There's two of us in here. It, it's uh, my wife is the the other founder of the business, but she's got very opposite skills to me, mm-hmm. and that's important. And I see a lot of businesses, particularly again in my industry, that fail when two web designers go into business together because they both are really good at web design, but they are not very good at usually liaison with clients. And that's where it tends to fall down. Mm. Keeping the client updated with what it is that you're doing and when you're doing it and what you need it by. 
um, actually selling as well and networking and making the connections that you need. It's no good two people being good at the same thing to go into business together. Mm. You need somebody with opposite skills to you so that they're good at the things you're not good at. Otherwise, it's going to make it very, very difficult for your business. And I was lucky that we both had different skills because she's really good at the things I'm not good at. Massively procedurized and organized. And I am just not. I am a world of chaos. <laughs> I don't know what's going on from one day to the next. But luckily, I am scheduled. Mm. Everything that I need to do is there on a system so that I know when I need to do it by. Yeah. And then I just do the things that I'm good at. So if anyone is listening to this is going into business, don't do it with somebody who does the things that you do well. Do it with somebody that does the things that you don't do well. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult. That's very good advice. And uh, they also say, actually, that uh, going, in, going into business on your own, I've heard it said, that's the toughest thing mm. on the planet to do. Perhaps second only to going into business with somebody who is just like you because, um, or does the same thing that you do because, uh, it might start off pretty well, but then, you know, you've got to have that sensible, uh, challenge if you like, as well as the support and the passion has got to be there. Uh, but you've also got to have the, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I was in, in business with a, I'm not very good on numbers and detail and all that sort of stuff, but I was in business with a guy who, uh, who, who, who was brilliant on the numbers and he would, he would ground me. He was also very, um, I get, I get quite, I used to get quite emotional, more emotional than I do now. I've got better at managing that now than I, than I did in the past, but, um, he would, he would do the kind of, oh, that's an interesting reaction, you know, type, type feedback for me after, after a meeting or whatever. And it, it, it we, I really needed that. And, um, yeah, and we needed each other. It was it was it was a really good combination. Mm -hmm. So, have yeah. you got a shared purpose then, you and your wife then, for this business? Um, to be honest, at times we have differed. Right. Okay. And that's gonna, that's going to happen. We've differed on on where we wanted it to go and and what we wanted it to be. Um, when we first started, for example, we weren't working directly with clients at all. We didn't have any clients. We worked with other agencies because we were a, a content marketing delivery company. We had writers, and we still have freelance writers that we use around the UK, around uh, Canada, Australia, and the United States that we match to our clients. And we were doing content for other agencies. So when large digital marketing agencies would pick up a, a high street client, like say Marks and Spencer's or John Lewis, they can't then suddenly start writing 5,000 pages of content for them because they don't have the capacity. They would use us for it. And it's only through clients pretty much coming to us that we started to do work directly for clients. And that's now more of what we do, but it certainly wasn't where we, where we started. And it, it got quite interesting actually, because we had large clients would phone us up, potential clients would phone us up, big businesses. Like there's one I can remember quite clearly is a, a high street business. Uh, I won't name who they were because we did end up working through them in another way, but they're one of those companies that you go in and you sell stuff to, and then they resell it. You know, the kind of thing. Mm. There's thousands of their stores all over the UK. Mm. Um, but they came to us wanting digital marketing, wanting website, content, that sort of thing. But they decided we were too small for them, that we couldn't service them. They, they didn't have confidence in us at the time we were, because we, I think we were about a year old or two years old at the time. They then went to one of the large digital marketing agencies in the Northwest who used us. So we ended up doing the work for them anyway, but for a lot more money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm because they were paying a big agency to do it. 
that was quite funny. <laughs> Probably the, the biggest comical example we ever had was we were doing work for one of the storage companies in the UK. You know, where you go in, you pay like monthly to use their storage solution and you, you put boxes and whatever it is you put in there. Mm. We were doing content for them through another agency. And the writer we had was writing the content for them. He sends it into us. We edit it, give it to the agency. They put it on the client's website. Bosh. That agency lost that client. That client then went to another agency. So we told the writer, unfortunately, that client's gone now because the person we're writing for, they've lost it. This other agency also used us. This agency came to us and said, we've just picked up this big client. They're a storage company. They do this. Oh, yes, we, we know what they do. We're familiar with them. We then went back to our writer. You know, we took that content off you last month. Well, you can have it back again now. <laughs> so that writer started writing again, sending the content to us. We sent it to this new agency. Mm -hmm. This new agency put it on the client's website. They fed back to us and said, the client's really delighted with the way you've picked up this content. <laughs> it's like you've been writing it for months. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? That's hilarious. It's quite funny, though, isn't it? How um, actually sometimes the big, the big corporate businesses... Uh, they do have different buying criteria, don't they? So their buying criteria means that they are looking at things like, you know, the financial credentials of a business and all of those sorts of things. But that doesn't stop you if you're a small business or a um, solopreneur or whatever they call it, uh, getting involved. If you've got a relationship with somebody, you can give you access to that. And that can actually be quite a good way to get a foothold, get some experience, get some client testimonials, and then begin to build from there. Yeah. The the only downside with it is because we're working for an agency rather than the client itself is we can't advertise that we work for the client. Mm. I can't even tell you now who those two clients were mm. and they're both national chains. Right. So it doesn't look good for us because we can't say, oh, we work with these and these because we didn't. We work with the agencies and we can't even tell you who the agencies were because we have non-disclosure agreements with the agencies because they don't want their clients knowing that they're using somebody else to provide the content. Mm. So you're building somebody else's business rather than your own. Okay. So it's good for cash flow. It's good for regular work. Because if you're working for an agency, they're supplying 20, 30, 40 clients to you every month that you're providing content or SEO or web design or whatever service that you're doing. So you're getting regular work. It's not high paid work because they have to make their margin on it. But it is regular work. It's good to build up the revenue. Mm. It's not good to build up your brand because nobody knows who you are, unfortunately. Okay. There's a lot of companies like that, that nobody knows who they are, but they do so much work for huge brands they can never talk about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's an interesting look at then for people. And that's, uh, that's me learning something about your industry. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah, our insidious, incestuous industry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Insidious and incestuous industry. Well, aren't, aren't all industries insidious? What, what, what was it? Insidious and incestuous. Insidious and incestuous. I presume, yes, I suppose all industries are like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, lots of them are, lots of them are. So look, so what's what's, what's driving your decisions now then to, to go on the acquisition trail and take that approach? It's it's more the looking to the future because I'm, I'm not getting any younger, which I kind of hoped I would be at this stage. Um, <laughs> Despite the fact I, I tried to keep my burning, what would your nine-year-old self be doing to enjoy himself this weekend? Yeah. And I exactly the same as what I did, actually. Last weekend, I went to a Transformers convention, which my nine-year-old self would also have loved to have gone to. Um, so that's quite interesting. But I'm not actually getting any younger. So I'm looking at how we can build this business and other businesses so that I don't actually have to be here doing it. Because at the moment, I'm not doing any web design. 
I'm not doing any search engine optimization. I'm not writing any content. I'm not doing any of that. We've got a team doing it for me. And I want to get to the point where I don't need to be doing anything other than the bits that I want to do, the mm. bits that I love. Like yeah. this, I'm talking right. to you right now, because this is the stuff I love to do. Yeah. Um, and that is only going to happen if we build up the business so that we've got different arms that can do the, all the things that we needed to do without me even being there. That's so important. So, so important because uh, so many people start businesses with this dream that it's kind of going to give them all this freedom and and the, and the funds to mm. be able to do what they want to do for their lives, as well as sort of, you know, wanting to make a difference. And then you find out that, you know, you're working for the business and um, yeah, rather than the business working for you, that that's something that happens quite a lot. Yeah, there's 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 a meme I've seen um, with a, I think it's Johnny Depp in a film with like this little kid. I can't remember what the film is, but they're sat on a bench looking at each other, talking to each other. And the meme says underneath, um, "When I grow up, will I be able to afford all the video games I want to buy?" And the answer is, "Yes, you will, but you will never have the time to play them." Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I definitely got to make that make that a mission. And uh, yeah, I um, I applaud you for that because. Um, you got to be able to let let go a little bit as well to be able to put yourself in that position, bring in uh, good people that can do things for you. I mean, how do you go about bringing in people that you can trust and making sure that you know you can? Oh, that's difficult. I won't lie to anybody. That's the hardest thing. Um, when we started, obviously, it was just the two of us. We were working out of a back bedroom, starting 7 a.m., finishing like 8 p.m. at night, working Saturdays and Sundays as well for a few hours. The first person you hire is critical mm. that you want somebody that can do the things that you don't like doing or you're not as good at or aren't as high value, but you'll always hire that person and you'll, you'll train them to do it and whatever it is I'm paying them to do this. And if I just did it in half the time they did, then I'd still have the money I'm paying them. That is just totally the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. You've got to get that stuff off your plate so that you can do other things. And our first hire, we got wrong. We got wrong. We got somebody in to do editing and they weren't quite up to it. Our second hire, thankfully, was perfect. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Big shout out to Mark Glennon, if you're listening from Canada. He was brilliant. And he was able to do all of the stuff that took us the hours to do in the evening. And he would do it. And he would do it quickly. He would do it brilliantly. And it took that that time off our plate. But it's important then when you do get somebody to take the the work hours off your plate, that you do something with those hours. Right. You don't just kick back and go, right, let's go to the pub. Yeah. Or I can do more of what he's doing now. No, 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 no. You need to do something more productive with it. You need to be getting more business in. You need to be building the sales funnel, not doing more of the do that you've got someone in to do. If you still need to be doing full-time doing the actual do, then you need someone else in as well yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. Don't think I'm paying this person, I could do it quicker and I could save myself money because then you're just going to have a really highly stressful, hard-working, long-hour job. Yeah. And that's not a business. Yeah, yeah. Not a business. It's, it's the same with trades. I speak to trades a lot about this because I'm in a lot of networking groups and there's a lot, a lot of trades I speak to. Quite often, they are paranoid about hiring somebody to work with them. So maybe it's an electrician or it's a joiner. They don't want to hire somebody to work with them because they're just going to set up in competition on their own. It's like, well, if you don't, 
you're going to be working on your own till you're 50, 60, and then your knees can't take it anymore. And suddenly you're going to end up retiring with no business and mm. no money. Yeah. It's what do you want? Do you want a hardworking job or do you want a business? Definitely. And also I totally believe in the principle of no matter what business it is, no matter what your own um, aspirations for it are, if you can look at your growth plan as though you're building an asset as opposed to finding yourself employment or, or finding yourself um, a job, then if you're building an asset, then you're building a business that potentially can then operate without you. Even if you've got no intention of selling it, no intention of spending any less time in it, it actually means that it gives you the potential to either grow it further or to to, to extend your reach. Or if you don't want to necessarily grow it, to actually spend more quality time with your clients or with your people or whatever, it gives you that that freedom is just the right kind of mindset you know you begin with the end in mind but yeah a business is a is an asset if you look at it like that you're look you're building something then that is going to generate um re recurring value an ongoing value sort of after your involvement in it then that's a yeah. brilliant way to set out those aspirations that, that's a great point you made there actually about even if you've got no intention of selling it whether you plan on selling a business or not you want to be in that position where you could mm. because something could happen that changes your life. Right. You get very, very sick. A family member could get very, very sick. You might have an opportunity that you can't pass up. And if your business isn't at a stage where it could be sold or could be handled by someone else, then it's just going to crumble. Yeah. So you want your business to be in a saleable way, whether you plan on doing it or not. And that includes things like doing procedures. If you disappeared tomorrow, if you had a heart attack, if you were kidnapped by aliens, you want to know that your business can be run by somebody else. Mm. Do they know what to do? Otherwise, then you don't have a business, you have a job. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Good advice, good advice. Okay, so hang on, hang on, rewind, rewind. You, you, you just said something about tra a Transformers convention. I, I thought you were going to ask about that again. So, yeah. so what? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Transformers, the, the, the plastic robots. Oh, I know. Transformers are go. Now, that was Thunderbirds are go. That so was Thunderbirds are so, yeah. So, yeah, so you're talking about the things that are like cars that turn into massive robots with guns and whatnot. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. And there's a convention for it. Oh, there are many conventions for really? it. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the biggest one is in America, and it's called BotCon. Okay. In robot bot com, um, and that's usually in San Diego, I think. Um, but the one in the UK is called TF Nation, as in Transformers Nation. Okay, Clever. and that's yeah. in Birmingham, in the um, the Metropole Hilton, which is by the NEC in Birmingham. And yeah. it, it's every year. They had two years out for COVID, uh, but it came back this year with a, with a huge sort of resurgence. And yeah, that's that's what I did uh, just this last weekend. Um, and that's what nine-year-old me would also have loved to have done. So I'm, I'm very much in touch with nine-year-old me and, and why, why I like to do. Fair play, fair play. And so, um, what, why, what drives that? Do you think? <laughs> you just think what, 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 why? <laughs> what, why? No, no, see, I think it's good. I mean, my, I, uh, my nephew recently went to a Nerf gun convention. Oh, right. And awesome. in, in Bristol and he went with his dad, my brother-in-law, and I'm pretty sure 
my brother-in-law had a, had a better time, <laughs> almost had a better time than my nephew. I, that's not quite the case because I know my nephew absolutely loved it. But um, but yeah, so what's what's wrong with that? What's wrong with grown-ups and nine-year-olds also getting involved oh, yeah. in the same stuff? They were Nerf guns at the Transformers convention as well. My mate's kid was shooting me with this absolutely enormous Nerf gun. Mm. Um, I'm just sat at the table talking and I glance out the corner of my eye and see this four-year-old kid setting up this giant Nerf gun on a table opposite me. Uh, as though it was some sort of military gun emplacement and then just blasting me in the face. So <laughs> nice. That, nice. That, that happens. Um, I, I think the, the, the Transformers thing, I've, I've got a lot of nerd passions. I'm well into Doctor Who. I'm well into Star Wars, obviously. Hmm. Um, Star Trek and things like that. I think it's the creative elements that you never lose that imagination that you had when you were a kid that you just want to keep and, and hold on to. Hmm. Um, I know a lot of people think it's weird uh, you know, why is a grown adult buying toys? I don't know. I can't really answer that. I can't really answer that. But I do. I do. And I do it a lot. And I've, I've got so much Lego. I mean, I've, I've got Lego sat right down beside me right now that I still haven't opened. I've got a Lego Aston Martin DB5 down here, which I need to build. Nice. Which I know. Lego, most adults can understand the Lego. They get it. Hmm. It's it's the, the the plastic figures they possibly don't get, but I I, I can't put my finger on why. Um, I've never grown up. What can I say? But that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I mean, the reason that I ask that question sometimes I don't even get to ask it. Sometimes people say you're going to ask me this question. I say okay, well let's talk about it then. But uh, but the reason I ask that question is there is a very strong connection between an eight nine year old self and uh, kind of grown up self and those sort of passions it's quite interesting to hear if those passions have continued or if there's a kind of a seed of passion in what the eight nine year old self used to do that also mm. plays through in how the adult mind oh, operates continue. If, if anything they've got worse so <laughs> they've had time to incubate into an obsession they have yeah and, and i've got more, i've got more money than i had at nine as well, well so there you go there you getting go. out of hand getting out of hand now excellent excellent well, look, I mean, Darren, we've we've been having a right old jibber-jabber and I'm conscious of time. So um, I just want to ask you uh, two questions, if I may. Okay. So... Was that the first one? No. Okay. Two more questions. Two more questions. Without asking for permission to ask them. Okay. Excellent. So who is your guiding light and inspiration? Do you know, um, I'm going to be cheesy. I'm going to say even though he didn't really give me any support growing up and I didn't really get any time out of him at all. I'm going to say my dad because he wasn't supportive. He was one of those working dads that went out before I got up and came back home just as I was going to bed. So I got no time off him at all. And I was the youngest of four by some considerable margin. So I think he'd had it all with kids by that point. You know, my, my brother who was the next youngest, I think was, 14 years older than me. So it was a massive difference. Mm. You know, he was just moving out as I was toddling about. So, yeah. yeah. But my mum got quite sick um, before she, she died. And she spent something like eight, 10 years in a, in a care home. And very quickly, she lost capacity for who she was and didn't know anybody. Mm. But my dad went there every single day, drove there every day to give her a dinner. Even other staff did that anyway. He went there and did that. And then as he deteriorated and he stopped driving, 
because his, his eyesight was going. And quite frankly, he should have stopped driving a long time before he did because he got into a couple of bangs that mm. he really shouldn't have been doing. Right. He then started going on the bus. And every day he went on the bus to give her her, her dinner. Didn't matter what the weather was. He just did it every single day. He didn't have to do it. The staff would have done it anyway, but he wanted to do it. And it's it's that level of dedication, I think, that I, I thought, well, that, that's actually really inspiring. He may not have had time for me. He may not have ever said he was actually proud of me. He may not have really understood what even I did, because mm. I don't think he did. Mm. But he clearly had that dedication that I hope I've got a little bit of. So I'm going to be cheesy and say that. Wow. What a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I'd, like to, I'd like us to get together again, because I'd like to talk a bit more about that. But may, maybe, another, maybe another time. Uh, but... Um, Really, I suppose my, my final question was going to be, um, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to find and follow their passion and purpose in life? I would say it's, it's important that you've got the right people around you. Um, you don't necessarily need to have a business partner. It's much better if you do. Much better if you do. But it's not 100% essential. But what is essential is that you don't have people telling you you can't do it. You don't have negative influences. I'm, I'm not big on mindsets. I am the least woo-woo person in the world. Hmm. I almost said that in a Clarkson way. In the world. <laughs> but I, I know enough to know that if you've got constant negativity in your life, it's going to affect you. And if you've got people telling you, you can't do it, why are you trying this? It's going to affect you. And I did have that. Mm. I had people saying, why are you doing this? Why don't you just get a job? Why it's safer if you just go, go and get a job, get someone else to do it for you. That way, you know, you know you're getting money every month. It's not conducive to being successful. You either need a business partner or somebody to come into business with who has opposing skills to you, which is the best way to do it, or you at very least need somebody that's going to give you the support is going to give you the the kind words is basically going to give you the the confidence that you can do it and not have somebody that's going to keep knocking you for it because that stuff is going to chip away and eventually it's you're going to snap it, it's not going to work fine that's a bit dark actually isn't it um but i think that's yeah no it's good advice surround yourself with the right people and and yeah keep a keep a close eye out because also you've got to keep a close a close eye out for people that are almost fearful on your behalf and it's not necessarily even negative, but kind of encourages you to do that for your own benefit. Well, actually when, when you're, you know, yourself on the inside, you kind of, you know, you, you've got that, that desire there and that, that drive to get it done. Yeah. People that can, uh, can challenge you, but in a way that kind of lifts you up rather than knocks you down is so important. Totally get that. Brilliant. Dan, you've been amazing. Thanks so much. I'm so sorry we've run out of time before we've answered all my many myriad of questions fully. But like I said, I'll be very happy to come back and do it again another time if you'd like to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Love to. But before you go, it'd be great to uh, share a bit about how people can find you and, and, and find out a bit more about what you do. Uh, yep, absolutely. They can check out our website, which is engageweb.co.uk. Uh, we are on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram as at EngageWeb, uh, or you can connect with me direct on LinkedIn if you want. Uh, that's Darren Jameson, Jameson, I-E-S-O-N, not spelt like the whiskey, unfortunately. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for coming on People With Purpose. It's been brilliant to talk. 
Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.